welcome to Yen Ken Cook. Remember the old saying, too many cooks spoil the broth. I don't believe it. There were plenty of time that when I spoiled the broth all by myself. <laughs> I believe in a new saying, two cooks are better than one. Or just to be on the safe side today, I'm not gonna make any broth. <laughs> of course, we might make a little bit mess. Today, the show is gonna be fun. And I want everybody here have fun. I want you at home to have fun. So make sure you stay there for the next 30 minutes. You know, you don't need to have a great weather to have a garden party or even a garden. One of the best picnic I ever had was in the middle of a winter minus 30 degree in a tiny apartment. We barbecue on the fire escape and then ate it on a blanket on the floor. <laughs> now, the next dish I'm gonna show you is something very, very exciting. I'm gonna cook chicken wing. This is so wonderful, so easy to do. Everybody can do it. It's absolutely beautiful. Now, so that's why I always tell people, why settle for the letter super long when you can wing it? Remember, if Yen can cook, so can you. Joy Gin. Welcome everybody to episode 45 here on SB Unfurled and friends, it's been a while. Unfurled and I are finally able to get back in the studio, so to speak, and give you guys some more, whatever our content is that you like to call it, incredible content. Lil Bon X here with SB Unfurled. We're not just doing this just because we won two games in Richmond, but hey, it's a perfect excuse to get back together and get it going. We're actually doing this because we had crazy, crazy gambling debts, and we had to go yeah. play. Mi we had to play minor league baseball for a while and stay off the grid. Now <laughs> we're coming back for our 45th episode, just like MJ in his 45 jersey. <laughs> That's the real reason here. Uh, but yeah, it's good. It's good to be back. This is, you know, it's been a roller coaster. But I will say, if you go back and listen to our early episodes before the season, exactly what we expected this year. Exactly what we ex expected, which is the unexpected. This season has yes. been up and down. We don't need to go over every single game. You guys have seen it, that it's been really rough up until last weekend. For the third time ever, speaking of gambling deaths, I bet against the Bonnies. I took VCU, and not only did we cover 11, we won outright. So it's the, the happiest I've ever been losing $100. It's only the third time I bet against the Bonnies. I bet against us, against Akron in 
the Cayman Islands, and that disaster. That one hit. And then last season we played oh. Fordham. We were like 12 and a half point favorites, and I took Fordham, but we ended up covering by like 15. So, what would um, a money line the- bet? That VCU game, a money line bet. What would that have got you? Oh, I don't bucks? know. I don't know if I can look back on it, like what it would be. It was probably like plus 500 or something. It would have been nice. Um, but I did take Richmond. I did take us over Richmond and spread in money line. So we more than made up for it. So enough about my gambling. We are looking, as I'm talking right now, I literally just got a text from Bonaventure that says limited tickets have become available for tomorrow night's Bonnie's game versus Dayton. So if it's not going to be sold out, it's going to be very close to sold out. Get there if you are thinking about it. It's going to be an incredible atmosphere. Dayton, one of the best teams in the conference. But before we get to Dayton, we're going to have a friend joining us that knows a lot about Dayton. VCU Richmond. These two wins, even though we had great performances against Notre Dame, UMass, a couple others, this is the first time I feel like the team has really acted like a cohesive unit. What do you think were the keys to getting over the line in those two games down in Richmond? Honestly, it all just comes down to jump shooting. That's that's when we're not hitting our shots. We look it's it's the simple answer and it's it sounds so cliche and Schmidt says it all the time. Offense is fickle. Those games against Loyola and Fordham and like going back to St. Louis and Rhodey jump shoot, we just couldn't hit shots. And you see like Farrell especially, but Flowers as well really starting to grow and develop within the offense. I felt like in the beginning of the season, Flowers didn't play too much within the offense. He was kind of going ISO, trying to do his own thing. I feel like, like you said, more cohesive. Um, Farrell's getting some better looks, and he just has such a smooth smooth jumper, even his mid-range. Um, really excited to see him develop more. But that's really what it's been. And, and Venning, too, um, when we get into Dayton, like he's, he's the main factor, I think, but he also was really good. You know, his positioning against VCU was great playing against Deloach, And then he didn't have an easy assignment. Uh, Quinn from Richmond, one of the best passing bigs in the whole country, seven footer. He's good. Grace is skilled. They're old, like they're experienced guys. They've been around. Mooney's been there forever. It's a road game. It's always tough to, to win down there. Um, so like it, you can say it's a team effort, but those three guys are really like, those were the ones who stood out to me the most by far. Um, and VCU and Richmond have really good players. So that was, uh, the most, I think the, the most shocking win, uh, of Schmidt's tenure was the one at VCU. Yeah, I was not expecting it. I was expecting that to be another bloodbath because other than in 2021, I think we lost by three down there. We have gotten crushed pretty much every time since we won in 2018 with Jay Adams at the Siegel Center. So I was not expecting much, but I really think mentioned it like Jan Farrell, Moses Flowers have taken a huge step forward. It's given us a different look offensively. It's just they've been able to spread the floor and get more open looks from three. And I think that's really helped. I mean, you've seen it, especially with how Moses Flowers has now moved into the starting lineup. And before he, you know, had a few good performances, but nothing, you know, out of the ordinary last Mm -hmm. two games, double figures, 15 points against VCU, 10 against Richmond. And he's been shooting efficiently too, 50% in both games. And, you know, same from three even. So I think it's those guys emerging when Banks has had a little bit of a quieter stretch. If you think about it, if you told me Banks was going to score 13 points in two games in Richmond, 
I would have obviously mm-hmm. thought that we were going to get crushed in both of them, but we won both of them, and it's very surprising. And to his credit, he's still done all the other stuff that you need to have him do. He's, you know, rebounded well, almost had, a, had 10 rebounds against Richmond and had his assists too. I, I think that needs to continue where we need to have these multiple options because when you saw last season and the season before, that crew had guys who could emerge on any given night, whereas for many stretches of this season, it's only been Banks. But now we're starting to see Farrell and and Flowers really emerge as legitimate threats to make threes and score. And what I'd like to see more of, too, and this is mainly on the point guard play, finding guys who have the hot hand. Like our point guards for the last eight to ten years have always been really good at if if I'm having an off night offensively shooting the ball, that's okay. I'm going to find the hot hand. I think Luke and um, Luke and Rumple have. It, it's kind of like they need maybe some like deep breathing techniques before games instead of bang energy drinks. They come out and they're like a hundred and ten percent, like super aggressive. Um, Luke has taken a, a lot of shots. His usage is the highest on the team. Those games where he's maybe a little bit off doing a little bit better job finding guys like Farrell or Flowers or Banks on the perimeter. I'd even like to see um, a little unconventional, but have maybe Rumpel or Banks run the point a little bit. Have Luke off the ball more. Have him use that quickness, that acceleration, that speed off the ball to get open and maybe hunt some good looks that way. Um, I think we saw that a little bit. Banks handled point a tiny bit against VCU. Um, Rumpel's been... You know, he's been aggressive getting to the basket, but there's just I feel like there's too many empty possessions, whether it's bad shots, unforced turnovers, things like that, that we got to clean up. If we can clean those up and instead of having, you know, guys throwing it out of bounds or guys taking terrible shots early in the shot clock, if we can reverse that and get Farrell or Flowers a good look like we're going to be even better. Um, And you started to see that against VCU and Richmond. Let's not go back to, you know, Fordham, the defense was terrible, but we've had some pretty bad offensive games. So I think Luke against pressing a little bit too much against VCU Richmond. Um, so if we can just reverse that and get, get our hot hands involved, like we have in the past, that'll be, that'll really maximize our ceiling this year. I think that Fordham loss, it looks better and better every day. I mean, I yeah, thought we yeah. were done once once that happened. And and that and, wasn't even the offense. Like that was our highest scoring game in the last five games. That was our defense sucking terribly in the second half. That's what I was about to ask you about with the defense, because the last two games it's been very important. We have the third best scoring defense in the in the conference. That's we allow sixty six point four points per game, only behind Dayton and VCU. Of course they score a lot more than us, so that that's a little bit different. But the last two games, we've seen the defense really step up, and that's that's the only reason why we won against VCU. And then Richmond, the offense did do good as well, but the mm-hmm. defense stepped up. I mean, 58 points against VCU, 62 against Richmond. So, I mean, quick math there, obviously, yeah. it's 60 points per game. Who yep. has stepped up the most, you think, on defense? I think that's just we play – Sometimes I think we limited second chances. I don't know if it's so much like half court defense Fordham. It was bad There's a lot of guys standing around. You're not boxing out. You're not putting an effort, loose balls. You're allowing way too many second chances. I don't know if it was like a come to Jesus moment in the locker room or what happened, but 
we've really done a great job limiting second chance points. I don't, I don't Richmond maybe had like six. Uh, that was, that really stood out to me. So just cracking down on the defensive glass, putting a body on guys when the ball goes up, that's really what it's been. Richmond had an off shooting night. I don't know if I can fully credit the Bonnies. Like we just shut them down completely. They had a lot of open looks that they just missed and we hit ours. So it's as, it's as simple as that. Sometimes, you know, you don't have to, overanalyze every single game sometimes it's just we hit our shots and they didn't and that's kind of what it was on Richmond but I thought the effort was a ton better on the defensive glass against VCU and Richmond yeah and I think that goes back to what I was saying about this finally looking like a cohesive team it really you see that in the team defense you see with how they're able to switch and not let up as many open shots or find the open man passing I, I I've seen that little thing that's that little spark that's made them seem more like a true unit as opposed to, you know, some of their other more, more impressive performances earlier on in the season where mm-hmm. it would usually be like one guy going off. Like for instance, you know, Kyra Luke having 22 against uh, middle Tennessee banks had 34 against Bowling green, like, and 31 against UMass. Like those kind of impressive individual performances are great to have, mm-hmm. but it's also better when, you know, most of the starting lineup is scoring in double figures and, yeah. you know, and they are all are getting involved. So there's been more of that total team getting involved in the game. And I think that's helped us out a lot. And you can say, you know, it, it sucks when if Luke and Banks are off, that sucks. But at the beginning of the year, I would have, you know, I would have been like, man, if, if Banks is having an off night, we just, we don't have a chance against most teams now kind of, a bright like a bright spot or something to be positive about Luke and Banks can be off and we can still beat these like pretty good A10 teams on the road because other guys are stepping up. Um I think Venning is massive for us, like especially against a team like Dayton. Yeah. Um he's gotta be on the floor as much as possible. He has to limit foul trouble. Um I think, yeah, uh, you know, it's mostly been Farrell and Flowers, but other guys have stepped up in big spots too. Evans had a really, really great steal and and breakaway dunk against VCU. Like guys are picking their spots. Just got to be, you know, going forward when we get into the thick of February and March, if we want to maybe make some noise and sneak into a double buy and make a run, all guys are going to have to be clicking. Maybe, you know, a guy can have a bad game here and there, but we can't have these games where one guy is missing like 12 to 15 shots. I wouldn't say sneak into the double buy. We're only a half game out of it behind. Yeah. Guess who the fourth place team is Fordham. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I think since Fordham plays on Sunday this week, if we beat Dayton, then we would jump up to the three spot and Dayton would slide down to five. So yeah, that would be right now. That would be hilarious to see just to see yeah. the Bonnies and Fordham over Dayton. <laughs> as having two double buys. Although right I don't now. think the double buy really matters as much now that they've changed around the, the schedule. I mean, obviously you want to get mm-hmm. it, but it's, yeah. it, it's since there's that Friday off day, I feel like it's not as crucial as it once was. Maybe, maybe. Um, you look at like the NFL, both, I guess both teams in the Super Bowl are the ones that had the buy, right? And then I, yeah. if you look back at, uh, it's complete terrible comparison but that just popped into my head um but if you look back i feel like probably almost every team that's won the a10 tournament other than didn't richmond last year win four games and then st louis when they beat us in 19 
won yeah. four games in four days. So um, it depends on the team too. Like we're not very deep and having a, our big men, like especially like Venning, try to, you know, back to back and then back to back again. It, you always want the double buy. And right now it looks like VCU, St. Louis and Dayton are pretty much locks for a double buy. Fordham, 46% shot for a double buy. Bonas, <laughs> 28% shot for a double buy. Looking at our schedule, getting pretty favorable after Dayton, I would say. Um, you know, we got, what do we got? Eight games left for our home, four on the road, but we have a game against Fordham to make up for that loss at home. Um, and then we got some winnable games too, like LaSalle, Davidson, you know, I know Duquesne's better this year, but we've had their numbers. St. Joe's, same thing. UMass, same thing. Like we can make a run at this. And it's at Duquesne's. That's not exactly a intimidating home home court that we have to go to. The only real hopefully intimidating- there's no uh, <laughs> no DoorDash. Well, I actually hope there is a DoorDash DoorDash guy on the court for that one. Uber Eats. Oh, I heard Jan I- can cook. I'm here to give him some food. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, that whole thing was ridiculous. I didn't really like get into that because it's just <laughs> I don't know. It was some wasn't it some TikToker doing some kind of stunt. Like, was it? I don't know. It's a, yeah, sure. I think that's what it was. I think there was some TikToker that was like trying to go viral or something by hmm. getting like pretending there was an Uber Eats delivery at the court. But hey, at least Duquesne is finally getting somebody to show up in the arena, right? Yeah, there's usually like, well, I mean, Dambrot has this 53 man roster. So right there, there's already 53 people just from their roster alone in the building. And then you add like all the staff, all the people selling hot dogs and beers and stuff. You can get up to like, 150 people there to honestly the other if, team if you're in pittsburgh considering how big duquesne's rosters always are there's a very good chance that any uber you take any uber eats you get any any kind of ride share situation any instacart order that's going to be a duquesne player at some point because they have so many people you figured <laughs> somebody's got to be you know picking up some shifts doing something else if it really if this guy really did his research and this was a stunt and he was a tiktok guy he should have had a pure leaf iced tea Oh yeah, delivering yes. a pure leaf to the to the Duquesne bench. <laughs> well, McDonald's has iced tea. Maybe there was a maybe there yeah. was an iced tea in there too. But getting back to what you were saying about the schedule, yeah, it's it gets pretty favorable. I thought this stretch, even from you know the beginning of the season, was going to be the toughest stretch and was going to be defining for the whole season because I would have taken one and two against VC yeah. Richmond Dayton. Yeah. Two and one, I thought was a positive, and then three and zero, oh, I would obviously say is a wild success granted it is coming off of two bad losses loyal chicago were the only team that's lost them congratulations on their first mm-hmm. first a10 win i guess uh steve watson there right and then the fordham loss while fordham's really good it was the way we lost that it left a bad taste in my mouth but yeah that's in the past like you said after this dayton game you got LaSalle on tuesday LaSalle they beat gw so they're not completely dead but we should be able to beat them since we don't have to go to goal. I thank God. We I think that'll be, be a to- pretty popular survivor pick. I, not many people have taken the Bonas because they're so hot and cold. They're <laughs> starting to look a little better. They got I, sell at home. They've used some good teams already. I think that's going to be a popular one. I already took them with my one remaining pick because the Bonnie sank me twice because I had them against Fordham and then I took VCU and then they yeah. sank me. Hey, it's, the, it's the emotional hedge. The emotional hey, hedge. Yeah. I will happily lose any of those just to get the bodies away if that if that propels them. But yeah, Duquesne Fordham, two those will be two, you know, tricky road games. Especially hey, Fordham right now, 
The gym is getting packed there. I don't know if you saw that St. Louis game the other night. Nice. That Rose Hill, Rose Hill has a really good environment once Fordham actually has a good team. Granted, they literally haven't made the tournament since the year I was born. So mm-hmm. they hasn't we haven't seen it really before. But hey, they got a good game. They got a good crowd. And if there are any New York City alumni in that listen, which I'm sure there are, try to get a little bit more brown and a little less maroon in Rose Hill. But then we end the season with four, I think, favorable matchups. I think we match up well with GW, even though they're having a really good season. Davidson, it feels weird to say, but Davidson's really not good this season. Although they'll probably shoot um, 833% (laughs) from three (laughs) against us down there. St. Joe's for, well, we don't even have seniors for senior night um, as the last home game of the season. And then UMass, which... UMass has not been impressive. We dominated them the first game in uh, Curry Hicks Sage. If you're listening, I don't. I'm not too worried about that game either. So, like, it sets up very well. So, this Dayton game is a real chance for us to show that we can hang with what everybody assumes is the top three. Because right now, everybody is trying to wait and see who the fourth team is to emerge yeah. from the conference. Because yeah, VCU lost to us. They almost lost to Davidson. St. Louis just lost to Fordham. Dayton's had, you know, Dayton's had their wide range of, of weird performances lately. So, but they're clearly still the top three and there needs to be a four. Mm-hmm. And right now yeah. it's between the other two pillars of the conference, us, because we've had a lot of success recently. And the other big pillar of the conference right now, Fordham. <laughs> and getting into real quick, like we talked about our recent history with teams like UMass, Duquesne, St. Joe's. Um, we've won our last 10 against UMass. We've won 14 of 15 against Duquesne. We've won 15 of 16 in our last eight against St. Joe's. We've won eight of nine against Richmond. Um, I was looking at Schmidt's really? record and his win percent. Yeah. Eight of nine against Richmond. I've I'm been looking at Schmidt's. I know. Um, St. Louis, Schmidt's 15 and nine against St. Louis, 63% win percentage. So I have yeah. all of Schmidt's win percentages. Who do you think is highest win percentages against? Who do you think is the lowest is against? Well, I'm going to guess his lowest is against Dayton. And then I think the highest is going to be, I think that would probably be against St. Joe's. Wrong on both. High, really? St. Joe's is actually fifth. His highest win percentage is against George Mason. He's 11 oh. and two for 85%. That's lowest true. would be Dayton, but he is 0% against Loyola Chicago. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> They're all one. All right. But, let's, um, let's get Loyola to the Riley Center first yeah, before we start exactly. looking at that. The <laughs> uh, point is, though, he's above 500 against nine of like 13 of these teams. Dayton, we have been absolutely terrible against Dayton. Two, Schmidt's 2 and 17 against them, 10% win percentage. Going back even farther, we have won two of our last 24 games against Dayton. Those two wins, we had a guy named Jalen Adams. Yeah. And the other win, we had a guy named Andrew Nicholson. So <laughs> Nicholson, Adams, Chad Venning could happen. Maybe. 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 Let's get maybe. it. Let's get it done. But let's talk a little bit about Schmidt because I was kind of critical of Schmidt last season. I personally think Schmidt's worst coaching job was last season. But right now, it's. I don't know if it's his best, but it's got to be up there as one of his best coaching jobs this season because of how this roster had to get put together on the fly. He basically had to build the plane in midair. Like, yeah. what, what do you think Schmidt has put 
on this team in terms of like his touch offensively or his defensive schemes. Like, where do you see Schmidt making this team become more than just a middle of the road A10 team and challenging for a double buy? Um, I mean, I, it seems like they're starting to gel a little bit more in the last two games, I guess. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what it is. I, I, he's even said that he just feels like a little bit rejuvenated. He has more energy. I think last year it just got kind of stale. I don't know how much he even could have done by the time January, February rolled around. It seemed like after um, Lofton rolled his ankle at Coppin State and then we got absolutely destroyed by Virginia Tech and then we went right into a COVID pause or whatever it was for like a month like it, it doesn't get lower than that it's really I don't know who like Vince Lombardi couldn't have probably rallied that team after all Look, that stuff to get back but if his worst if his worst coaching job ended with us in the NIT final four that's yeah that's exactly good. that's pretty good <laughs> <Yeah>. so <laughs> yeah um so it's you know he's got a lot of new guys these guys are learning the system the only two guys who were here last year as everyone knows probably by now Rumple and Maluk they're role players not even like they're very limited roles for us um I don't even think the most impressive thing this year was on the court I think it was off the court I think it was the all the last minute recruiting that they did to put a competitive team together when they're dealt a tough hand at the last minute let's be honest and they they got really good transfers they got you know Evans and Farrell have been good as freshmen especially Farrell looking like maybe the front runner for the A10 rookie of the year um I think it was I think it was the off season. I don't even think it's it's an on court thing this year. I think, you know, he the staff went out and found a really pretty competitive team and crazy to think that after all that, after all the changes and everything we went through in the off season, putting like a almost a patchwork team together at the last minute, here we are yet again in February looking at a double buy. And the only thing right now between us and a double buy is Fordham. Like it's crazy to think that it's just so consistent as a program. Not to mention, if we just win all of our home games, Schmidt will hit that that famous number ten number where I think yeah. we've won. Well, we've we've gone like almost in a decade with, with hitting at least ten wins. Like I feel like it might have been twenty fifteen, might have been the last time we haven't gotten ten wins in the A ten, and that includes um, the COVID year when there was only like fourteen games or something. Yeah, our four home games remaining are Dayton, GW, St. Joe's, oh, and LaSalle too. So Dayton, LaSalle. So we got to split. I know, I know, Big Cat, Big Cat's definitely listening. He loves the streak. He's like, this is important. I agree. It's like, it just shows how consistent you are. So if we split our last eight, we'll have ten wins, right? So programs with double digit wins in five or more consecutive seasons since the modern conference began in '82, Temple, UMass, those Temple teams from like. Remember the Temple teams from all the way, really, from like the, the early 2000s, 80s, right? early 80s, all the way up through the early 2000s. Those oh, were wow. just national powers. Um, there was one season in their 92, 93, where they didn't get to 10 wins or else oh. they would have had a massive streak of like 20 years. So that one season just split those in half. So they have like a really long streak and another really long streak. The other one was UMass from 1990 to 98 with all those good teams and like the the early to midnight uh, mid nineties when they had um, Camby and those guys. So uh, other than those two national powers we're tied with West Virginia from the, the mid eighties to early nineties. <laughs> so if we, if we can get 10 wins this year, we'll be alone as the most consistently good team. This conference has seen with alone with just UMass and those Cheney temple teams. That's crazy. 
Yeah, that that just speaks to the coaching job that's been done throughout the yeah. decade, especially with so many different rosters and a lot of turnover and all she that. We've, we've talked a lot about, you know, the big picture. Let's get a little bit more into Dayton with our next friend. But then she went to Cleveland with some guy named Leland that she met at the bank. There's nothing wrong with Ohio except the snow and the rain. I really like Drew Carey and I'd love to see the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So when you're done... We would like to welcome our newest guest here on SP Unfurled and Friends, David Jablonski. He is a writer for the Dayton Daily News, also an AP voter, and just an all-around interesting follow for A10 Twitter. Even if you're not a Dayton fan, he is very well-versed in the entire conference. So, David, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I mean, we just want to get started with Dayton themselves. Everybody has felt like, outside of Dayton, that Dayton's the prohibitive favorite, but as you've seen, Dayton's had some up-and-down performances where they've looked dominant, and in other games, they've looked quite frankly, terrible. What do you make of how the season has gone so far? It's definitely been a disappointing season. The expectations were were so high entering the season. They were ranked in the top 25 preseason favorite in the A-10. You look at what the program has been through in recent years. It looked like this was going to be the year, the fans, the players, the coaches, everybody was going to be rewarded for, you know, their patience, you know, not getting to play in the tournament in 2020 because of the pandemic you know, a year later, return a lot, a lot of guys, but underperforming that season with Jalen Crutcher's senior year. Uh, you know, last year, great season, except for the first four games where they lost three by games. Otherwise, it would have been a, a great season. They would have gone to the tournament. So just hasn't worked out uh, for the Flyers uh, really for three or four years now. And, um, you know, maybe it will still will this year, but it's all going to depend on that uh, A-10 tournament. And no Dayton fan wants to hear that because they've never won that tournament outside their own building. And if they don't win it this year, it'll be 20 years and counting since they've won it at all. So um, it's been up and down a roller coaster and uh, Flyer fans are, are just uh, hoping for something to cheer for here at the end of the year. That is really wild to think about. Dayton hasn't won in 20 years. That's just it's, it's very it's a very surprising stat. And like you said, they haven't won outside UD Arena. Ever, yeah. 2003 was the last one, and it was at UD Arena. The beginning of that answer sounded verbatim like what we had to say every time we were on with someone last year about the the high expectations, the guys coming back, the top 25 in the preseason, and then you kind of underachieve. That was us last year, too. So we we can definitely empathize with that. (laughs) And um, if it's any consolation, I mean, you, you guys did play in the 2020 NCAA tournament. It was just streamed by us. I think you lost to Marquette in the, in the, oh, I remember that. yeah, That's right. I, one, one of the, one of the Dayton guys was on there. He's like, this doesn't look anything like how Dayton plays. I've wasted my time. It's like, dude, we're just like trying to pass time playing video oh, games, yeah, but those, those um, sad days. you guys got a, a brief glimmer of, uh, of light. Some yeah. Days. Yeah. Until the NCAA stepped in and, and squashed us like bugs um so Holmes has been like my biggest concern even like in the preseason before we knew about Venning and how good he was gonna look I was like oh god when we play a team like Dayton and Holmes and like the five spot was the big big concern Venning has been like a, a huge bright spot for us this season but um still worried about Holmes but I looked I didn't watch the game against Loyola um recently one of five, 4.7 rebounds, scoreless for most of the game. 
this against Loyola who's not very strong this year. What what did they do to Holmes to kind of bottle him up? Well, they sent a second defender at him every time he touched the ball. Um, that limited. He did have a couple shots that definitely should have gone down. And then I think it was just getting in his head because then he was missing free throws. And he finally, he finally got a free throw to drop and he was clapping like, yes, finally I got him <laughs> on the board. Um, and he didn't get his first field goal until three minutes into the, into overtime. And he's been through this before teams, you know, go out of their way to, to shut him down, take him away. Um, and sometimes he finds the more often than not, they find a way to get him the ball and he finds a way they find a way to get him points. But I think sometimes he gets frustrated and he, he, he's doing a better job at, you know, getting the ball out and finding the open guy. Cause there's always somebody open when they're double teaming him. Kamara was Tamani Kamara was the big mm-hmm. uh, benefactor the other day, 31 points. Uh, so yeah. They Holmes away and he, he benefited. Um, but yeah, they do def- definitely have to find a way to get Duran more looks and he's got to find a way to power through some of those, those double teams and, and get his shots up. But it's, it's been a struggle at times. He seems like easily the best NBA prospect. Can you talk him into retiring before tomorrow from the college game? So he doesn't have to, you know, hurt his draft prospects any longer. Yeah. There've been a lot of scouts out to see him and what well, there were supposedly 18 scouts at the Georgia Washington game. And he really struggled in that game. But, uh, you know, I think they see the raw talent and ability and the numbers he has put up at some points this season. I mean, seven point seven straight 20 point games at one point, two 32 point mm-hmm. games in a three game stretch. So the, the ability is there, but he's, you know, still, um, you know, the Dayton team is learning to play together again. Malachi Smith and Kobe Elvis haven't been back that long. Um, there have been some good points and some low points and, uh, I think the hope for Dayton fans is that the best is still ahead from this team. We saw it last Saturday against Richmond. They dominated that game. We're up 30 at times and won by 26, but then, you know, real close game against Loyola and blew a six point lead in the final minute and just barely won in overtime. So uh, it's been up and down for sure. Is there a good explanation for why those performances happen for Dayton? Because like you said, they can be up 30 against basically anybody in the A-10 but they could also lose at roadie. They could barely beat Loyola at home. How do, do you, I mean, it's hard to explain why it happens. What do you, what, what do you see that makes it possible for that to happen? Well, when they're making three pointers, they, they, uh, they're hard to beat, I guess for the most teams, I guess, but uh, you know, they were over 50% against Richmond. That explains that victory a lot. Uh, they shot the bell. Okay. Against uh, Loyola, I think, you know, high thirties, which is above average. But, uh, you know, Loyola had, you know, the knockout or the, you know, they couldn't miss. They were over 50%, one of their best shooting performances of the season. And three-point defense is the strength of this Dayton team. So that was surprising. Um, I mean, Loyola is just one of those weird teams. I mean, they beat Clemson early this season. Clemson is a top 25 team. But more often than not, they have not been very good. But they have that high ceiling that, you know, they can play well. And they did that against Dayton. Um, Rhode Island, you know, hard to explain that one. I mean, they have, Rhode Island has not been very good. Uh, and, you know, I can explain that. Up. I can explain it in yeah. two words. Archie Miller. Yeah, Archie. Yeah, <laughs> I just really wanted that one more than anything. Um, Dayton fans are already asking for Archie back after that one win, and Rhodey fans are probably like, take him. But no, uh, Rhodey <laughs> they've been playing better in the last couple of games, I guess. But uh, you know what? This is I like conferences like this where there's not one dominant team. And there is parity, and you don't know who's going to win. It's not good for your NCAA tournament hopes, but it's going to make for a good, fun conference tournament in March because right now there's a bunch of teams that could win it. We're all a bunch of sickos this season for sure for watching these these games on Tuesdays. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, we talked a little bit at the beginning of the show about Schmidt's record against all these different A10 teams. He's above 500 against like nine out of four, uh, 13 other teams. The only teams he's below 500, Rody, VCU, Davidson, Dayton. But Dayton has especially been bad. He's only two of 17 against Dayton. That's 10% win percentage. Wow. If you go back 24 games, the Bonnies are two and 22 against Dayton. Um, <laughs> and, and juxtaposed with the, the crazy streaks we have against some of these other teams that are pretty good. Like, um, you know, Richmond where we've won eight of nine against them. We were doing pretty well against St. Joe's. What is it about Dayton? Two of the last 24. I don't know. Cause I've been up there to the Riley center five times and Dayton has won all five, which is unusual. It's hard to win on the road. Um, they have the same sort of track record against Davidson. They haven't lost to Davidson since 2017. The Bonnies and, and Davidson are two of the you know top teams in the conference during that stretch, and Dayton can't, can't seem to lose to them. It's a different story against Richmond and the, or against BCU, and they've lost plenty of games to LaSalle during that stretch. Uh, so it's hard to explain. I don't know why Dayton has owned St. Bonaventure in recent years. Uh, you keep expecting it to end. Um, you know, it certainly could tomorrow night, but uh, who knows? Um, they've had some really strong performances up in St. Bonaventure. One year they were up uh, 30-something and then gave up 61 points in the second half and still be St. Bonaventure. You remember that one? Yeah. Uh, that was an 89-86 overtime game. Uh, I guess that was the last time they played there in front of fans, I think, 2019. They held Obi to 10 points, and yet Jordan Davis went off and Flyers came back in the final minutes and then won double overtime. So there's been some uh, memorable games. Um and uh, some reason Dayton keeps winning them. I I can't explain it. You know, I'm not that smart. <laughs> well, as we're talking to you now, you're getting ready to head out to Olean and then make the small trip to St. Bonaventure because it's in Allegheny. <laughs> and right. I, I know you got your you got your sled dogs all packed and they're all fed and ready to make the trip out. What's your favorite part about coming out to Bonaventure? Whether I mean you, you couldn't make come during the pandemic, so this is your first trip since since then. What's your favorite part about getting out to uh, the greater Allegheny area? City I beer. like that little beer store next to the micro tent. That's where I always stay and I always get some beer while I'm there. Some little <laughs> beer, <yeah. laughs> nice. The Beverage Center, yeah. Yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah, any beverage. Right there, yeah. Right there. <laughs> Shout out to them. Yeah. You, sure uh, I was looking at your Twitter real quick, you, because I know you have to go, but you tweeted out back to Bonaventure tomorrow for the first time in four years. Dayton has not lost there in the five times I visited. Some other things, you posted four pictures. One of the pictures is the A-10 championship in Dayton. Yeah. Um, I am actually in the background. Luckily, my head really? cut out, but I have, you can see, like, it, I definitely had my COVID body back then. I'm holding, like, a huge <laughs> breakfast sandwich and a mask. Um, yeah, I'm in my, like, uh, Father Hardwood shirt. So I, I okay. looked at that and kind of laughed. If, if you want to – I can – I can send you like a Photoshop of maybe. No, like, please retweet it though, or, or yeah, Photoshop it. Let me do it. I don't care. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll Photoshop yeah. like uh, Sylvester Stallone from Rocky Four, like and yeah. behind there. Well, um, my dad always comes on this trip with me, and he's coming tomorrow. And he, he there's a, a museum down the road, or whatever, uh, Iroquois Museum or something. He wants to go to that again, but um, yeah. I don't think we're gonna have time tomorrow. I still have never been to the casino down the down the interstate. Um, it's near I that museum, I think. If you've been yeah, to Vegas, if you've been to Vegas or Mohegan Sun or Foxwoods or some other major casino, uh, you won't yeah. be very impressed. Oh, I've been to both, so yeah. <laughs> you won't be. <laughs> uh, oddly, I could not get a hotel room in St. Bonaventure, or I still I, I still never pronounce it correctly. Olean, Olean, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I always I don't want to offend anybody here. 
but it's all alumni weekend. So yeah, we're managing. Oh, wow. Jamestown. You should, if you can switch it to Ellicottville. Ellicottville is a great little village. If you're flying right on the interstate though, right? That's, that's off. That's not, on the way home. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you're not flying yeah. in, yeah. Yeah, yeah I gotta get home as fast as possible before you're all here. Okay. All right, Dave, we, we want to let you get going, but just one final thing here. Um, what are your ex- expectations for this game? Because up until our Richmond road trip, the Bonnies have not looked this as great this season, but they're starting to turn the corner, and as we talked about, Dayton's up and down. So what are you expecting on Saturday night? Oh, yeah, I'll flip a coin, but, you know, if, if – I don't want to be a homer, so I'd, I'd pick the Bonnies in this one. I think Dayton has won a lot of games up there, and it's got to end at some point. I know, say, Bonaventure has this weird two, win two, lose two, win two, lose two streak going, yep. so I guess yep. that's in Dayton's favor. Uh, but uh, I have no idea. People, uh, you know, That's why I don't bet on these games, because you can know everything about all, every both teams and have no idea what's going to happen. But oh, if you yeah. had to, if I had to pick somebody, I think, I think the Bonnies win this one. All right. All right, well... I think we can probably talk ourselves into Dayton winning because they always win in the Riley yeah, Center. So that's just kind of – both fan bases think the other's going to win. Reverse jinxes <laughs> are, are high. If this was the talking out loud, loud podcast, I would have picked the Flyers. So, <laughs> uh, Okay, yeah. We can go do that with them, I guess. Thank you so much, David Jablonski, with us here from the Dayton Daily News. You can follow him on Twitter if you haven't already, at David P. Jablonski, J-A-B-L-O-N-S-K-I. He is a great follow for all things Dayton Flyers and also throughout the A-10. So thank you so much for joining us, Dave, and have a safe trip up to Cattaraugus County. All right. Thank you, guys. Come say hi tomorrow. Dear Tooch, I wrote you, but you still ain't calling. I left my name and my number at the bottom. I sent some messages back in autumn. You must have never got them. Once again, we want to thank Dave Jabonski from the Dayton Daily News for coming on with us. A very fun follow, like we mentioned, and he's just a really all-around good guy. And we hope he has a safe trip. We hope uh, he goes home with a loss, though. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. <laughs> but how? I mean, how does that happen? I think like st- we touched on it. I asked him about Holmes. He said Holmes has been hot and cold. I would say like Banks is our probably our best overall player. He he can be hot and cold too. They're two very different players, but. The one matchup I'm really just going to be fixated on is Venning versus Holmes because I think if Venning can't stay out of foul trouble and he can't stay on the court, this could be a long night. Um, I think yeah. Maluk Maluk can provide um, he can provide some some contributions, but he's not a true five. Uh, Anquan Hill not a true five. Like Schmidt says, got big guys just back him down. He's got to get in the weight room in the off season. Um, so Maluk Hill going to be tough defensively. Do you bring in Mac? Is this a Max Madison game? Um, do you bring him into? He he's a huge strong presence in the paint. Like he's going to pick up five fouls in five minutes. But do you bring him in and try to you know if Venning needs a break? Is this a Max game? I'm that's what I'm curious to see. I think Venning has been the bright spot this year. He has to stay on the floor for like 25 minutes. But he I know he just gets gassed. But he's got to. He's got to find it in him to not foul. Uh, hopefully the refs let the boys play. Um, Dayton at the rim, rim field goal percentage, best in the conference. They are shooting at the rim 69, 68%. So Bana's not good at defending the rim. Um, like we give up a 60% at the rim. So that's really what I'm looking at. Can Dayton take advantage of that? Is Venning going to be able to hold his own against Holmes? Um, other than that, 
Jablonski me- uh, mentioned Tamani Kamara. Stretch forward for Dayton, definitely their second best player. Is Farrell going to match up with him? That's another really, really good matchup that I want to watch. So it's the front court, Farrell versus Kamara, uh, Venning versus Holmes. How is that going to look? How is that going to shake out? And you say this stuff and then like some random player just completely goes off. Like I think Kobe Brea completely went off for us last year or against us last year. So you never know, but the front court's going to be huge tomorrow. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think it's all with Venning. I don't think that Dayton is overwhelming outside of Holmes, which is, you know, that's like saying mm-hmm. the Chiefs aren't very overwhelming outside Patrick Mahomes. Like, like yeah. he's the focal point of the offense there. He's one of, if not the most talented player in the conference. I think that is, yeah. it's, yeah, I, I think it all depends on how well Venning can do. And maybe it is a situation where a Madison can, you know, come in for a few minutes. Maluk comes in for a couple minutes just to, just to give Venning a little less pressure so he doesn't have to feel like he, you know, has to go the entire 40 minutes without getting a, without getting any fouls. That's mm-hmm. that's it's going to be difficult, of course, but it's not it's not insurmountable by any means. Dayton has not won a road game since they played at Fordham at the beginning of the month. And even then they've, you know. They haven't looked very impressive in their two road games since like GW and Rhode Island, I believe were in control of most of those games mm-hmm. and Loyola Chicago was even able to frustrate them with some of their in and out play by hitting some threes and, and stuff. I, I think also we have to continue to see Jan Farrell hitting from deep. I, I think yeah. he's had just an incredible last month. I if there's a guy better than him that's a freshman in the A-10, I haven't really seen that person. So I think he should be the like rookie of the year. He yeah. shot the, the he, other one. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say he shot like, what, 9 of 12 from three in the last few games. He's really starting yeah. to gel and put everything together. And I, I think even he can help with some of the, the, the pressure down low on those doubles, those – when we hedge on defense and get homes, you know, they're going to be doubling homes on the block. We know that's going to be happening. So he mm-hmm. could be somebody on defense who's involved in that. Yeah. I think right now, like going into the Richmond game, I would have said RJ Lewis at UMass is probably maybe a little bit ahead of Farrell for the, the rookie of the year. He actually visited here in the off season. He, yeah. uh, he almost came here, but he ended up going to UMass. I think it's between those two. Farrell's been, Awesome. The last two games, uh, the He's Riley centers. I might be gonna... biased, but I'll, I'll take gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I, I will biased. too. Like, yeah. Um, but RC going to be a madhouse 8 PM. So I'm surprised it's not sold out. I wonder if that's like a weather thing. It's going to be free. It's going to be like negative 15 wind chill, but I feel like it would have been sold out by now. Um, maybe we'll get there either way. It's going to be crazy. A crazy home there, court I advantage. Think. I think yeah. with Dayton coming to the Riley Center on Saturday night, I, I think it'll get sold out. It, it'll be some walk-ups and, and stuff. I think it'll be I think it'll be sold out, especially on ESPNU and all that. A lot of time for the the locals to get lubed up. 8 p.m. <laughs> late tip. Blood at, the BAC, the average BAC in the RC is going to be pretty high. It's going to be pretty high <laughs> on Saturday night. Um, I think wasn't that three overtime Davidson game? Wasn't that a 9 p.m. tip? And then it ended at like after yes. midnight. Yeah, yeah, it was that was a 9 p.m. tip. And that was during that was the week a weekday, too. Weekday game. Yeah, that was rough. Yeah. Man. 
We played Sienna at like 9 p.m. one time too. That was weird. The U, it's LTV, like because yeah. ESPN is coming in. They have. Oh, I was going to ask you too because you watch most of these streams. Every time I look back and watch replays or whatever, if I watch a game back, the ESPN Plus broadcast in the Riley Center is like it looks dingier than past seasons. I don't know if it's the new lighting. Or what? Have you noticed that? Like the glares, the shadows, it looks darker. It looks like when the lights went out or when we played in the armory on 2K sometimes. <laughs> or is that just my TV? I don't know. I'll have to look. I'll, I'm going to watch out for that on Tuesday because that's that'll be the next ESPN Plus game when we play LaSalle. Yeah, I haven't really thought of that. The problem is there's just so many other issues with all these ESPN Plus broadcasts on <laughs> throughout the A10 and... It actually even infected our game against VCU, which was on CBS Sports Network. Oh, Remember yeah. that? I, yeah. I was like, the liberal media is trying to silence the Bonnies. Like, what they were trying actually to take happened? That away. Yeah. What actually happened? Because we had the ball late. I can't remember how much time was left. But it was at like that a minute time, 50 or something, I think. I don't know if you do this, but when you get nervous and you're in, in like a bar setting, you just drink faster and faster and faster and faster. So I don't really remember <laughs> a lot of the details from the second half of that game. I remember the stream cutting out and then we had the ball and it came back and they were like Chad Venning offensive foul. I don't know if that actually happened to be honest. I actually this pulled is like up the Maluk foul against Richmond. Like they tried to job us down in Dixie. Yeah. I actually pulled up my, uh, my pig app and I was listening to Gary for uh, about 20, 30 seconds. <laughs> Gary niece. Old faithful. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was I was expecting to come out of that timeout and they were like they would say, Oh, VCU just hit a three and got fouled, and then there's a technical yeah. <laughs> foul, and then there would be like three free throws on top of a three pointer made, and there was gonna be some mm-hmm. some tomfoolery afoot. But fortunately fortunately that did not happen. But yeah, they've all, there's always issues with the streams, like on ESPN plus. And uh Dayton lost to VCU. I watched that game, totally melted down down the stretch against VCU's oh press. That uh, Mike I don't even know how to, Mongolian Mike, they call him the freshman few bad turnovers. I feel like he's going to kill us in this game. I feel like he's yeah. going to go off and totally destroy us. And then Dayton turned around and beat Richmond by like a hundred points. Um, so last Saturday, if you would have told me, Hey, one of these games is going to be um, what? Let's see. One of these, one of these games in this doubleheader on CBS sports is going to be 86 to 60. And the other game is going to be uh, whatever our score against VCU was. I would have said we were the ones getting blown out 86 yeah. to 60. That was Dayton putting it on Richmond. Probably payback for Richmond stealing their um, stealing their bid last year, maybe. Do you think? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I feel, I feel like Dayton was due to like have a big breakout game in that one. They had two road clunkers and – yeah, they they were they were due to start hitting, and I don't I don't really think Richmond is too impressive. I actually feel like we could have played a little better against them on Wednesday. I I think it just yeah. you know it worked out well. Don't get me wrong. In a road win, we had we had no road wins this time a week ago, and now we have two. So I'm not gonna look look away from that. But this mm-hmm. is also a big game, Dayton, for seeding purposes. I know we're all thinking you know St. Louis VCU Dayton are gonna be one two three. I mean, we do have the tiebreaker over VCU technically, and if we beat Dayton, we would have the tiebreaker over them. So if it were to come into a situation where we were somehow tied with them at the end of the season, we'd be ahead if we beat Dayton. We would be t- ahead of VCU if we beat since we beat them. So that's not a 
it's out of the woods to get a three seed in that scenario. So that's why this game is also very important. I mean, every game this way out is going to be important for seeding purposes, though. We could, I think we're going to win out and be 14 4. Hold on, I'm fine with that. Hey, you know what? If that happens, please, that'll be that'll be wonderful. <laughs> no, we're we're better as the hunters, I think. We're we're much better as the hunters than the hunted. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, there's that music again. <laughs> we had to do it especially since Groundhog Day was Thursday. This is the final forecast, and it is yes. a good one. We have frigid temperatures across the country. Let's see Wait, who's how it brought they... by. Who's our sponsor? Oh, sorry, my my bad. Um, this one is brought to you by the Chuck Wagon. Yes, uh, Chuck Wagon in Olean. Come get a burger uh, and a, a cold beer. Nice. We will start out the day on Saturday in the A10. Davidson at UMass, 12.30 p.m. on the USA Network. The Wildcats coming into Amherst. Guess what? There is a wind chill warning. Wind chill warning will remain in effect in the Amherst area, 10 a.m. Saturday, um, all the way until through through Saturday. Dangerously cold wind chills, strong winds dropping between 25 to 35, below zero wind gusts, 35 to 55 miles per hour. Pretty crazy for all those tweets that uh, Sage puts out about how awful Olean is. This sounds pretty bad. This sounds pretty bad. This does not sound like it's it's Cancun by any means. Um, I know this won't stop Mullen Center from being packed to the brim. Um, all those faithful UMass fans will brave the weather to get to Mullen is Center. Is there a hockey like scrimmage they, that afternoon? Like they always do. They fill the Mullen Center. They are enthused. Uh, moving on. Let's see. We have What's Duquesne. the temperature? What was the temperature? Well, we're going to get wind chills are going to drop at 25 to 35 below. If you're just Woo! looking at the, the regular temperature, it's going to be in the single digits um, at tip off. So we'll see. Oh, wow. We'll see how that affects the players. It's very tough to shoot baskets when it's that way. That's going to be tough for those uh, North Carolina kids. The, the high school musical cast that's coming up. That's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, two o'clock Duquesne at GW in the nation's capital. A little better down there. Uh, sad, at tip-off Saturday, it's going to be 32 degrees and sunny. Not too much wind. Pretty nice day in the DMV on Saturday. Um, we're going to move to... Freezing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's going to be not a cloud in the sky, I think. Um, moving out west to Chicago. The George Mason Patriots will go out to Chicago to play Luke... How do you, what do you call it? Luke Loichi? Loichai? Is it L-L? Loichai. I call him UIC Loyola. Okay, yeah, who knows? There's so many. Who cares? Uh, it's on the USA Network at 2.30. Game time. It's going to be... I think Chicago already got the, sh- the shit that we're getting now in the Northeast. It's going to be back to like 36. Wow. 15, yeah. Um, 15 mile per hour winds. No no precipitation at all. Partly cloudy. Decent day in Chicago. I would have guessed everybody was going to be below freezing. Yeah, no. Uh... I guess down once you get out of the northeast, whether it's west or a little bit south, it's gonna be it's gonna be okay. We're we're the ones getting hit pretty bad with the wind and the not even too much snow, just wind and frigid weather. Uh, only four games Saturday because we have two on Sunday and one on Friday, so there's only four games Saturday. The nightcap, the main event, obviously Saturday night's main event, Dayton at St. Bonaventure, eight o'clock p.m. ESPNU. What's it going to be like in Olean? 
Olean City School District closed Friday, not for snow, but for how cold it is. It's going to be frigid through Saturday morning into the afternoon, but by tip-off, temperature's actually going to get up to 25 degrees. Um, 11 oh, wow. mile per hour winds. Yeah, 9 p.m. Saturday in Olean, 25 degrees. The worst of it will pass. The worst of it's coming through to the, uh, Friday, Saturday morning and afternoon. Then it's going to pass. We're going to get back up into some balmy 20 to 25 degree weather. Still going to feel like single digits, but um, it's not going to be the, the negative, crazy temperatures that we've had in, in the last 24 hours. Nice. Um, yeah. Well, the so, bonnies are going to be heating up along with the temperatures. <laughs> yes, let, let's hope so. Those are the four games. I am not going to look up St. Joe's or Richmond weather for Sunday. No, it's going to be cold everywhere. Yeah. Um, I like staying with the one. I like staying with the day the bonnies play. I don't like That's getting fine. too far. Meteorologists can't get too far ahead. You can't, you know, we got to just keep it nice and compact. So that is your final forecast presented by the Chuck Wagon. Awesome. There we go. Well, guys, we are happy to finally come back on here after a few months of being off. We're going to try to jump on a few more times, definitely in the last month, tracking this, hopefully, Bonnie's run to a double buy after not even technically really having a team <laughs> less, less than, what, yeah. eight months ago, nine months ago when there was nobody on the roster. Yeah. But yeah. With This has been a it's been an up and down season, but I think they're starting to turn the corner. We think we're starting to turn the corner. So mm-hmm. thank you guys so much again for listening and following us on this. We hope to come back on a few more times and get our schedules linked up to do a few more podcasts. Be sure to follow us on Twitter if you haven't already, at SB Unfurled, at Lil Bonna X. If you haven't already, you probably do. Be sure to also subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platforms. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, tune in wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, all of those fun things. Have a safe trip if you're driving into the St. Bonaventure region, <laughs> the greater Allegheny, Cattaraugus County region. And thank you so much for joining us. Yeah.